Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. There's this passage found in Psalm 19 that I just wanted to read to you, and it's verse 1. And it says that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. And what this passage tells us is that there is beauty all around us. That we are witnesses to this each and every day. And our souls recognize it. It testifies not just to God, but it testifies to the beauty of God. And that which is beautiful can sometimes be lost in the midst of our tragedy. When we are going through things, we sometimes feel this sense within us to go and find that which can restore us. It's hard to do that. Sometimes we don't have the means or the finances, the resources to make that possible. But we all sense within us this need to be restored. And sometimes we find that restoration in nature. We find that in the beauty of the silence and also of the noises that nature makes that soothes and sings to our soul. It has a way of being a healing balm over us. And although we may not be taking moments in the nature itself to speak to God, God through nature is nonetheless speaking to us. And in the midst of that time and essence that we are absorbing this in, the psalmist says, it speaks to that which is beautiful, even as we go through that which in us is tragedy. It's hard for us to fully grasp this and understand how these two can not only coexist, but how these sometimes just seemingly endlessly crash into each other. How the tragedy and the beauty just keep colliding. And, and this was the struggle that Solomon had in his own experience and in his own reflections. And when he writes Ecclesiastes, he talks about this so eloquently in a manner that helps us to understand that there is indeed a time for every season. But he shows us how in a season you can have both beauty and tragedy. Coexisting 
both fighting for dominance. And in Ecclesiastes 3, beginning at verse 1, it says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and even a time to dance. There was a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak. There was a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and even a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded, there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Can we say amen to the reading of his word? Amen. It's beautiful, isn't it? Not all of that is permission. Some of that is just information. There are things in there that happen that God is not saying it's okay that this happens, but we understand that this does. And we have to understand that what God is trying to show us is that even in the inner struggles of Solomon's life, that there is always beauty, even in tragedy. But we have to be able to see it. And that is something that has to come from us. You see, he says there's always two narratives in every story. And, and he shows how there are two things always happening in every verse. In every verse, he's showing that there are two things that are always happening, always taking place. And we may only be fixated on one and miss out on the other. We can be so caught up in the tragedy that we miss out completely on the genius of the beautiful that is always there. That we can be so lost in the pain and in the suffering that we don't have even hope to even begin to experience the healing that the beauty is already alluding to and showing that it can be possible. And so when we find ourselves in this place, the human story, 
story, this human story that is always this conflict between tragedy and beauty. Solomon is saying to all of us, is there a way in which we can make sense of this? Is there a way that we can understand this? Is there a way that we can take this tragedy, that we can take the brokenness, that we can take the pain and the suffering and still be able in all of this to see a God who is showing and revealing his beauty. And he tells us that we have to take both. Solomon's advice is that it's there for the taking, all of it. We can't have one without the other. You have to have both. But there are those who are unable to see it, to experience it. And there's something that I wanted to show through a passage that is often called the forbidden chapter. The the forbidden chapter is found in Isaiah chapter 53. And, and, And for centuries, this chapter was always read and understood by the religious leaders in the Jewish community as being the passage of the Messiah. But when it became clear that people would read this, that it would point to someone in their history who this so closely resembled that they knew that they could no longer read it. And so in the Haftarah, which was the readings that would need to take place in the synagogues each week, they made a decision that chapter 53 would no longer be read that they would stop in the middle of chapter 52, they would skip chapter 53, and they would make their way to chapter 54. Because this chapter spoke in a manner that confused those that would hear it. And so rather than have them confused about who the Messiah was, they made the decision that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. And so it became the forbidden chapter. And just in case you think this is some kind of crazy, you know, conspiracy theory, I want you to know that if you go to Jewish sources and Jewish scholars, this is what they say. In fact, one of those Jewish scholars is Eaton Bar. And this is what he says. He says that the 17th century Jewish historian Raphael Levi admitted that long ago the rabbis used to read Isaiah 53 in the synagogues. But after the chapter caused arguments and great confusion, the rabbis decided that the simplest thing would be to just take the prophecy out of the Haftarah readings in synagogues and that's why today when we read Isaiah 52 we stop in the middle of the chapter and the week after we jump straight to Isaiah 54. Now it wouldn't make any sense to us if I just quoted this and then we just didn't get a chance to actually read it. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 53 and we're going to read for it for ourselves. We're going to read it for ourselves. And here at verse 1, it says, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up 
in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. And there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep in silence before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants and he will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and he interceded for rebels. And this passage is such a beautiful one, wouldn't you say? And it so describes and parallels what it looks like for us to understand the very life of Jesus. And you can understand why they wouldn't want this passage read. Because they don't want to acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah. That he was the promised one. Why? Because they don't want the tragedy. They only want the beauty. This is not the Messiah they want. And many times in our own life, if you think about it, that is not the God we want to believe in. That's not the Jesus we want to follow. We don't want the God and the Jesus of the tragedy. We only want the God and the Jesus of the beauty. There is no place in us for tragedy. There is no room in us for pain. There is no area of our life that we will accept suffering. Because that speaks contrary to the life that we would imagine would be the one that God has given us, has created us for, has made sure that we could enjoy. When he speaks to me having a full life, to me that says that I should not suffer. But when Jesus says, I've come to give you a life that is abundant, 
He's saying that I want you to understand that even in the midst of tragedy, of pain, and of suffering, I can still overwhelm you with love, with healing, with victory. I can still fill you and make sure that your life overflows with beauty. I can show you both. And the beautiful thing about this passage is that it reminds us so clearly of how we can lose sight of true beauty and only see tragedy. Of how easy it is to let the experiences of our life just shape our lives in a way that continues to dictate it for years to come. I, I know that our tastes can change over time. Has anyone ever realized that? When I was a kid, my mom used to tell me that I used to love liver. Like, who loves liver? I, I, I've never met a person. There are people who love it, but some hands went up right away. That's kind of weird, but okay. But my mom says I used to love it. I, I grew to hate it. I didn't want it anymore. But there were things that I knew I couldn't eat just because of the taste and texture. Things like, like mushrooms. I, I couldn't eat those before. I love them now. Is that, does that ever happen to you? Like your, your taste just kind of switch on you? I'm not talking about like a switch like between Starbucks, uh, Starbucks coffee and Tim Hortons or uh, between, you know, <laughs> Skittles and Starburst. I'm not talking about that kind of switch. I'm talking about like real food that at some point, <laughs> at some point you, you loved and then you hated or you hated and now you love. And, and it's because you did something. You, you kept trying it. You didn't just stick to your past knowledge and experience. See, if, if you still hate something, chances are you probably haven't tasted it for a while. It, it could be that you haven't taken a bite of that in a really long time to the point that you're just so convinced that you hate it, that you always will, that you may never ever know and discover that you now love it. Where else has your past experience been shaping your present reality and confirming what your future is going to be? Where is it in your life that a past suffering, tragedy, pain is not allowed to show you how it can be made beautiful. You see, Jesus becomes our Savior when you get past the tragedy and you see the beauty. Can we say amen to that? That only becomes possible when you get past the tragedy. Someone recently told me about their experience of seeing the Passion of the Christ and how it shook them to their core, how they had never seen this movie, but seeing it helped them to finally understand the tragedy and the extent of the suffering that Jesus most possibly went through as depicted in that movie. In that, they finally understood the level of sacrifice that was given so that they could experience beauty. 
It's hard for us to grasp that, to understand that. But Isaiah 53 verse 2 says this, there was nothing beautiful, there was nothing majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. And in this is how we can be faced with beauty and not recognize it. In the same way that you can stand before truth and not see it. You can stand before absolute perfection and beauty, but be so corrupted in your mind and in your heart, so darkened by sin, so unable to see the beauty that you see nothing that is majestic in it, nothing that is beautiful, nothing that is perfect, nothing other than that which we would just say is ordinary. I know so many people who are broken down by the darkness of their hearts that they are faced with beauty every day and cannot see it because they are captured and wrapped up and packaged for life in the suffering they've been through. The tragedies that they have lived, they cannot let them go and they won't be released by them either. I need you to understand that you are in a fight for your life. You are in a fight for beauty that God is able to show you. Why be stuck in the tragedy when he has beauty instead for you? Have you not heard? He turns ashes into beauty. Have you not heard? He takes that which is darkness and makes it light. Have you not heard? He can take that which is wrong and he can make it right. That which is death and turn it into life. That which is lost, he can make it found. He can take any tragedy, every tragedy, and make that beauty instead. Amen? Are you ready for that in your own life? Why keep believing the lie? Why keep living that? Why keep experiencing the brokenness of that? Why keep having that repeat over and over and over again in your life? We have to be drawn to the beauty and drawn away from the tragedy. Drawn to the beauty, not the tragedy. And I know that there's some people, oh man, we just... We're just so done with them because we're done with the drama. Isn't it true? We're just done with the drama. We just can't do it anymore. And I know that we get to a place in our hearts, listen, where we have limits. And and then sometimes we draw the line and we set the limits instead of letting God draw the line and letting him set the limits. And we make mistakes... We make mistakes and, and, and mistakes that are tragic, that do not lead us to beauty. When we set those limits and we don't pray about those limits, we don't give them to God. We don't, we don't ask him to expand those boundaries. We don't ask him to, to give us more patience. We don't ask him to show us, is this worth investing in still? Is this worth fighting for? Is this worth pouring into? Is this worth still giving my time to? Is this still worth me believing in it? God, is there still room in this for this tragedy to become beauty is there 
And let God give you that answer. And listen, when he gives it to you, you're going to know. And then, like in the scriptures, like Jesus taught his disciples, there can come a time when you can shake the dust from your sandals, from your life. You can just say, it's okay that I'm done with this. It's okay. I've given everything that I could possibly give. God has given me permission. He has released me. I let go of this and I embrace the future and the beauty that is in front of me and I let go of the past and the tragedy and the drama that is behind me. Amen? That's how we've got to do it. And if we don't do it like this, then we're going to have more problems, more tragedy, and we are not going to be able to experience the redemption of God's beauty the way that he intended. And that is not what God wants for our lives. And that's why John, who is such an incredibly poetic apostle, like when he writes, he doesn't give us any background of, of how Jesus was born and anything else. He just talks about Jesus being the Word. He just starts off with that. Jesus is the Word, and the Word was with us. That word is the life. The word is everything. Jesus was everything. And, and he, he does it so incredibly. Um, he, he does it. In, I was going to make up a word there. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, he does it in the most incredibly beautiful way in John chapter 1, verse 1. And so I want us to read these passages because they're so powerful. I know we're reading a lot of scripture today, but that's okay. And so, it says this, the word became human, and look at this, he made his home among us, and he was full of unfailing love. How many of you are not feeling so loved right now? How many of you are not feeling... The faithfulness of God towards you right now. How many of you need to see his glory? How many of you need to understand that glory of, of Jesus transforming your tragedy into beauty? It's right here. It's right here. The word became flesh, became human, and he made his home among us. Listen, if all you're living is tragedy, sadness, if all you're experiencing is pain and, and sorrow, do you not see that the word that became human and has made his home with you, that all you see is tragedy instead of beauty? You're not going to be able to experience that unfailing love, that faithfulness. You're not going to be able to see the glory that God has for you. But when you turn entirely towards Jesus and you say, I will embrace this tragedy, not because I want to, but because I know it will lead me to the beauty. Because if you have made your home with me, you will show me the love. You will show me the faithfulness. You will show me the glory that I need to see. I will not keep living a story of tragedy when you have one of beauty for me instead. 
Is that you? You believe that for yourself? You need that for you. Maybe I want that for you more than you want it for yourself right now. Maybe more than you're ready. Maybe more than you're able to get excited about. Maybe because the tragedy is just so deep. But look what it says in Matthew 27. Verse 45 and 46. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. And then about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And I want you to know that this moment here in the life of Jesus is his greatest tragedy. And his greatest tragedy is because he took all of our tragedies upon himself. He experienced a separation for the very first time from the Father and from the Spirit. He experienced unknowable pain and suffering. He didn't say a word while he was being beaten. Not a word when his flesh was being torn. Not a word when he was being spat on and speared. Not a word. But in the moment when all of our tragedies came upon him, it is then that Jesus speaks. And so you know that the greatest moment of his tragedy, of his pain, of his suffering, was that moment right there. There was no greater moment. Now if this is all that we would have, then what a sad story it would be. For sure, let's all give up. But you know what he says after this? It is finished. Can we say amen to that? It is finished. It means that there is no tragedy that can persist. There is no pain that can remain. There is nothing that can keep us trapped in the sorrow of this life. Nothing. Jesus has given us that victory. And in that moment, Jesus expresses on the cross the fullness of humanity's tragedy. But in that moment, we also get to experience it being transformed into the most beautiful moment of all time. And if you give God the opportunity, you too get to say in your life, it is finished. I can think back on that moment. It's finished. I can think back on that time. It is finished. I can think at that moment where I had pain and suffering and sorrow, where I had tragedy. It is finished. In Jesus' name, it is finished. And before I can even get there and feel it, and it does nothing to me, I see it today, every day, until it is finished. Until Jesus finishes the work. Until he transforms the tragedy into beauty. Every day, in my mind and in my heart, I keep saying, it is finished. It is finished. It is over. It is done. It will no longer have any rule or mastery over me. Can you do that? 
in your life, even before you experience it, until the moment you start talking about it, and the pain that you thought you'd feel like you felt every other time, it's finally gone because it is finished. Because God took it away. He turned it into something beautiful. You gave him enough time for him to take that tragedy and turn it into beauty. You gave him the time that he needed to show you so that your eyes could finally see that when you only saw tragedy, God was already working out the beauty. That's why it says in Romans that all things work for the good of those who love God. All things. You know what that means? It means that Satan doesn't get anything. He doesn't get anything in your life. It all belongs to God. And God can do something beautiful with it. Let God transform your tragedy into beauty today. Let him go into the innermost parts of your mind and in your heart and your life and let him transform it. Don't let Satan have the victory anywhere. Don't let your mind trick you into believing anything other than this will be turned into beauty. Can you trust God for that? Maybe you're not all the way there. Maybe you're some of the way there. Maybe today these scriptures have somehow compelled you to believe a different story, a different narrative. But I know that God can take you all of the way there. He can move you from where you are to where he knows you can experience his beauty. God bless you. Thank you so much. Can we pray together? Thank you. Did you stand with me? And I want you to be, just be honest and sincere with God. Just be transparent with Him. I want you to just, would you confess with your mouth, with your heart, with your life, the, the, the tragedy, the tragedy, would you do that? Would you give that to God right now? And would you ask Him, would you ask God, would you ask Jesus to transform that into beauty? And Father, as we are before you, and as we in simplicity of, of heart and of life, not fully understanding how you can accomplish that and do that, not how you can take a painful and dark and broken moment and turn it into something beautiful, we don't know how you're going to do that in our lives, but we know, God, that you can. You did it in the life of Jesus and you can do it in ours as well. You made it possible for him so that he could make everything possible in all of us. Right now, Lord, you see where we need you the most and, and where that transformation has to take place the most. And we surrender it to you, Lord. We give it to you. We hand you our tragedies and we ask that you transform them into beauty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. 
You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.